is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. JacquelineSystemsForSelfCare.com, where I teach you to consistently take daily actions to keep you happier, healthier, and more confident. So today's episode is actually a podcast that I was on. My friend Kirsten had me on her podcast a while back, and I wanted to play this episode for you because I think sometimes I'm on other people's podcasts, and I'm like, oh man, like my my listeners, if unless they follow me on social media. Um, they don't get to hear this thing. And sometimes the interviewer takes me back to a moment in my journey with food or my journey with exercise and with running and with self-talk that I don't access. I don't do, I don't talk about that stuff on my podcast. So I'm like, oh man, like my listeners are missing this really great episode that I feel really proud of. So Kirsten gave me permission to uh, post it on our this podcast um, if you love it, Kirsten's a, an amazing person. She's a personal trainer. She works online with clients as well. She has a more disciplined approach, um, but she's an amazing person in her her podcast too. I highly suggest that she goes into a lot of things that I don't go into. Either way, have a listen to today's podcast episode. Like I have those good things. And there's yeah. snacks here too. Yeah. <laughs> snacks. <laughs> They're awesome. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk about that too today. Yeah, snacking and how you're putting together your sneaky snacks on your plate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Cool. So, tell us a little bit about you yourself. Who are you, and what do you do? Yeah. Sure. So, I am a health and life coach, certified health and life coach. Previously, in another life, I was a kindergarten teacher in second grade and third grade, but mostly kindergarten teacher. Um, and I really, I help adults similar to what you do, I'm sure, but I help adults who have been way on a diet and also way off a diet and I help them find balance with food. Um, I also help people. So it's like one set of clients that I work with. And then I help people who are not consistent with self-care people who, um, basically the same thing have started and stopped exercising yeah. and need balance and to also be consistent with exercise and moving their body and exercise not being like you have to go do this hit class that you hate exercise might just be a bike ride exercise might just be a daily walk mm-hmm. yeah yeah we actually we forgot your name we never mentioned your name ah. <laughs> I'm Jacqueline Riccio Stover. <laughs> hey, Jacqueline. Okay, very hey. cool. Yes. Uh, so before we started recording, actually, we talked a little bit about how the daily movement is not as common anymore as it used to be maybe before and how you have found this nice way for yourself. So you're now working, um, you know, you could work from home, but you have chosen to work at a co-working place. So you uh, ride your bike there every day. So um so is that something that you're encouraging your clients to, to like find ways that are more natural, that doesn't necessarily come through like a structured exercise, like ways to move your body like that? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, if you think about like, especially now in the modern world, most people's jobs are very sedentary. If you work at a computer, you have a very sedentary lifestyle. And I think that most of the clients I work with have that. So you're not getting in just that natural movement, like um, neat, right? You're not getting in just like tons of walking. And so I found that for myself um, firsthand, like previously as a kindergarten teacher, I was moving around a lot, Mm -hmm. right? Like I actually wasn't formally exercising, but I was moving around a lot because you're like at the rug doing story time. And then you're moving back to the desk and you're taking kids to bathroom break and you're going to recess. So I was constantly moving. But when I started working for myself, I'm like, Oh, I had a computer all the time. Um, so yeah, I think that that's like a huge thing for a lot of people 
is they don't move a ton. And also when they think about exercise, exercise, we think of the super intense exercise program. And I work with a lot of people because I share my story. Like I wasn't an athlete growing up. So when I think of exercise, I think of sports and I think of like, I'm not good at that. That's not for me. Um, and so I have that experience. Like when it comes to a lot of exercise programs, I, I'm not like, I'm not, I think that there's something very di- uh, different between you and me. Like I'm not super excited to work out <laughs> ever, ever, hmm. but I can get myself to move my body. I can get myself to ride a bike. I can go for a walk or go for a run. Um, but just like, yeah, just like natural things. Um, I do go to, uh, I do work out and lift weights and stuff, but like, just like getting that baseline of like, mm-hmm. can you just move your body a little bit more than you currently are? That baseline is so important. You know, a lot of times people think that, okay, I have like five workouts scheduled in my week. If I get these done, that's all I have to do. But if you are sitting like 16 hours of your day and then you hit your body hard with like one hour, whatever intense workout, that's not going to be very good for you. So I think this is a huge part that we are missing. And honestly, I, I noticed that in Europe, where I'm from, there's so much more like natural movement. People just walk to places, you know, not everybody even has a car and it's just like so much more normal. Um, and here it's it's a little bit more like the go hard or don't do anything type of thing. And I think we have to like, we have to add something, you know, find ways to, to naturally move. So what are some of the ways that your clients have changed? Like what, what are they doing after they learn this from you? Yeah. So I have a lot of clients who go for a morning daily walk. Mm -hmm. That's like a big thing. Or I have other clients too, who, um, like I have one client I'm working with right now and she's mom. Um, and her husband works long shifts. So a lot of times she has the two kids by herself. So she can't necessarily always go for a walk if like the toddler is sleeping, right? She can't leave the house. So, okay, cool. How can you get in a date, something daily for yourself before the kids even wake up? She has a rowing machine, right? Mm -hmm. She likes rowing. Great. Can you row for 10 minutes? It doesn't even have to be 45 minutes, but can you just row for 10 minutes? And then something else that popped up, she was like, you know, sometimes she's tired and she's just like, I don't want to row okay, cool. Can you do something else besides rowing? But like keeping that, I'm really big on, um, atomic habits is like the Bible for me. Like I refer back to atomic habits all the time, but I'm like, we need to connect. Like you wake up and then you do something for yourself. You wake up, you do something for yourself. There might, you might not always want to row, but could you do 10 minutes of yoga? Could you do 10 minutes of foam rolling? Could you walk around your house for 10 minutes and listen to some music that you like, but like do something. So do, I say this a lot, instead of all or nothing, do something, do anything, something, anything. So maybe it's not always rowing, but it might just be 10 minutes of yoga. Another thing that I talk about with clients is um, let's keep the habit going because there's a lot of people that struggle with consistency. Okay, fine. Let's pretend you woke up late and you don't have time for those 10 minutes of rowing. Could you do one minute of rowing? And it sounds so dumb to do one minute of rowing because what is one minute of rowing going to do? But what it does is it keeps the habit alive and it's like, oh, I'm a person who moves my body in the morning. I'm a person who does something for myself. Even life is stressful and it feels like everything is falling apart. Because what I found is those people that like, if you are running late and you don't take time for yourself, then you get to the end of the night, you feel shitty that you didn't do anything for yourself. And then that starts the shame cycle. I'm a terrible person. I can't do anything right. Look at me, another thing that I failed. So it's like, it's really about like being flexible, like, 
you don't need to do 45 minutes all the time, but can we get that, like just something in for yourself? And then also too, with that, like being flexible with like differentiating, what do you enjoy doing? So I have another client who does, she is a runner and she does want to go for a morning run, but you can't run every day. Like you shouldn't run every day, Mm -hmm. but like going for a walk. So some days she will go for a morning run. Some days she just goes for a morning walk, but she has that habit in place before she starts taking care of her kids and before she heads off to work, like doing something for herself Mm, and seeing it like that too. Like I'm doing this for myself. I'm like, I think a lot of times I've people that have done the boot, boot camp classes, which are great CrossFit, which is great. I enjoy these things too. I love lifting weights, but a lot of times people start to think about exercise as like doing something to their body and like beating themselves up instead mm-hmm. of like, Hey, actually I feel good after a morning walk. I feel good after 10 minutes of rowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you tell to somebody who's like, okay, you say one minute of rowing. I, I get it that it's about habit building, but it's not enough. It's so many women have just like, it's not enough. And there always has to be more. So what would you tell to them? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, well, what is, Goals are good because goals give us direction, Mm -hmm. but it's like in order to achieve the goal, you need like a solid system, right? And so one minute of rowing might not get you to a goal that you want, but you have to start somewhere. So, right. So actually I have someone else who we talked about doing morning movement, doing something. I can't remember what she decided she wanted to do, but it wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe it was like 20 minutes of something. It wasn't happening. So we actually scaled back and I was like, cool, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do five minutes of something and get into the habit of five minutes. It's true that five minutes of exercise is not going to get you on the cover of a bikini magazine. However, do you actually want to be on the cover of a bikini magazine or do you actually just want to feel good in your body? Okay, great. (laughs) You want to feel good in your body. That's what we're after. So can you get into the habit of five minutes? She got into the habit of five minutes and she just texted me yesterday. Hey, I increased it to seven minutes. Mm. So I'm just working on seven minutes, right? Again, that feels like it's not enough. It's not going to accomplish anything, but it get it gets you into the habit. So maybe it takes you two months to get into the habit of, you know, maybe you're at five minutes, then you increase it to seven minutes and then you increase it to 20, whatever. Maybe it takes you a couple of months to be a person who moves for 30 minutes, right? Still better than the all or nothing where you're not not doing anything or you're killing yourself with a 45-minute workout and you're hating the process. Mm -hmm. And I think that to a lot of us, we, okay, I'm going to compare this to like, so I used to be a kindergarten teacher. We skip over, when it comes to exercise and whatever, we skip over the kindergarten years. We think that we should be the high school or college athlete. But like when you go to kindergarten, kindergarten is all about creating a habit of actually going to school, creating a habit of like knowing how to like hold a pencil and write letters. Like we have to go really back basic. And actually at the beginning of the school year, I would, when I, when it was time to teaching kids how to read, like we would practice, here's how to hold a book and here's how to go sit by yourself for a minute and not bother me and go sit by yourself and be independent for a minute. And we would gradually build it up. So as adults, we want to jump in and do 45 minutes because that's the thing that's going to, you know, whatever. Like, if you're not being consistent with that, we need to scale back and make sure that you're doing these basic things. Be a kindergarten first, Mm. and then let's build it up. And not be in such a rush, like, oh, I need to achieve this goal by this month. Why? Like, 
why do you need to achieve it this month? Wouldn't mm-hmm. you be much happier if you were enjoying the journey and not being so stressed out and a jerk to yourself to achieve that goal in this amount of time? Setting, like creating a system. I have, I talk about systems for self-care. Creating a system for yourself is actually going to help you achieve that goal and beyond that goal. Like now you're just a person who knows how to do these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever meet people who want to start out like right away, like big, okay, I'm going to commit. Let's say that they don't do anything right now. They're like, I'm going to commit to like five days a week. Give me the hardest workout plan. Give me like the meal plan, even whatever. And then you have to be like, okay, what is actually realistic? Like, what do you think you can stick with? Do you ever have conversations like that? Yeah. Yes and no. I think that most people who do come to me know that I'm not going to give them something over the top. But even still, I've had people that are like, oh, it's great. I'll do 30 minutes a day. And then they're not able to do that. So then we do have to scale back. But, um, or yeah, like people, it's when you're first starting something out, you the the vision of like changing your life and being this different person it sounds really magical and it sounds really fun but then you forget like what am I actually going to be able to stick with when life is stressful what am I actually going to be able to stick with when things are falling apart like you kind of forget that life is going to continue to happen Mm -hmm. so yeah there has to be conversations about like hey (laughs) you hired me for a reason uh let me actually help you be someone who can be consistent with this and going all in you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to do it. Or if you are, if you are able to do it, you're not going to enjoy the journey and you might um, completely stop mm-hmm. at the end of it. I talk a lot about, you know, I did Whole30. I couldn't wait until Whole30 was done. Like day 31, you're like, cool, I'm going to eat everything I want. And I did a 100-day running streak. Mm-hmm. I woke up on day 101 so excited that I didn't have to run. Like so excited, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, great, you went all in, Jacqueline, but what did you actually accomplish? Because you stopped running for three, you know, six months after that. Right. This is such an interesting conversation to have because it's also possible that after 100 days, if if the thing that you did, if it actually became a habit so that something that you really enjoy right now, so probably your running was a little too much, probably the whole 30 was a little too intense, um, for me, like when I started doing my breath work daily, I, I set a goal to I'm going to do 100 days straight. And mm-hmm. I think straight and I did have um, two days, maybe when I was traveling, it was just inconvenient. I couldn't do it. Uh, but then after 100, 100 days, I was actually empowered. I was like, I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to count my days anymore, but I'm just going to keep going. So what is the difference there? Why yeah. did one have it stick? And when, when, why does the other one just fall off? <laughs> you probably enjoyed your journey. <laughs> yeah, I, probably, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. When I did the 100 day running streak, Day third, so actually it was supposed to just be a 31 day running streak for my 31st birthday. And then when I hit day 31, I I think maybe I kind of felt empowered, but also there was fear around if I don't do this perfectly and I don't show up every day, I will probably fall back to doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, I think from the outside, it probably looked like I was kicking ass. But like inside it was fear was the motivator. Mm. Right. And so when it comes to other things, like, like now I'm really consistent with daily morning walks, but the same thing, like I don't count what days I go for a walk, but I go for a walk every day. Like it mm-hmm. has become a habit. Cause you, so it's this weird thing. Like you do need to get in like a nice long string of reps and repetition and consistency and over and over. But if you hate it, mm-hmm. 
and you are waiting for day 100 to be over so that you don't have to do this, then it didn't stick. Like it's not, it was never, when I look at that, like the difference between like breath work or meditation, doing that every day, that's completely different than going and running every day. Like it was just immense stress on my body. I hate it. Like I hated running by the end of it. That's like, crazy I because, it. because you actually, <laughs> you are, you like to run otherwise. I know that. Yes. Now you kind but of ruined it for yourself. It ruined it for me. And it took me, it took me probably six months to run again. And, um, yeah, it just, yeah. But I, again, I, um, there's a good author, uh, Janine Roth, um, who wrote women, food and God. And she talks about how, who you are on the journey is who you will be when you arrive. So I'm guessing that like who you were during this breath work, like it felt really good versus me running every day. I was miserable. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think also it depends on like, how do you feel most of the time? Because I, I also had days when I was like, ah, I don't want to do this. It's it, because it is physical work. It's, it's hard. Um, but I was like, I, I don't know. I feel so good afterwards and I'm ready to do this. It, it, but I think in your case, it was also like physically too much you said your body was getting tired and you just felt you have to stick with it because you kind of had made this deal with yourself right yeah if I don't stick with this I'm going to prove to myself that I'm a quitter yet again Mm -hmm. so it was very much and the thing is too is like pain can get us going pain is a good motivator to get us going Mm -hmm. you won't ever start something unless you're in a painful position that you want to get out of but if pain is the only motivator that you have and you never get to that point of pleasure. Like I never got to a point where I was enjoying the 100 days. It was constant. Like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely does not sound something yeah. you want to continue. And it's, it's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, oh, I was going to say uh, another thing like I talk about with people is like uh, two questions. Like, would you want this for an eight year old girl? Would you want this for an 80 year old person? Right. And it's like, when it comes to running, I wouldn't want an eight-year-old running every single day in a row. I wouldn't want that. But would I want her to learn to meditate? Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Or even I think about that, like, right, it is, it's it's going to take time and the breath work. Like, But, like, would I want that for myself when I'm 80 years old? A hundred percent. Would I want myself running every single day when I'm 80? No, absolutely mm-hmm. not. Unless you really love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, running can, but like running, but like every single day, like never having a rest day, like it just, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a no for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So you talk a lot about self-care, right? That's a, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. Like we do the daily movements because we care for our bodies. And I think it's the same thing um, with food. So do your people, do your clients ever feel like this is like getting myself out of the bed and having to do that more morning walk? Like this is not self-care. Like if I would rather lay in bed or eat junk, like that in the moment, in the moment feels like a better idea. So how do you get, how do you deal with that? Yeah. I think that in, like you said, in the moment, you're like, I don't want to do this. Like it's our, our emotional brain in the moment. It's like, this is too hard. I don't want to do this. But like our rational brain is like, actually, you're going to feel better later on if you do this. So go do this. Um, but I've had that for myself too. And that's like, when I look at the habits that I have figured out and like put in place, it's like those became, those were our solutions to problems I was having. I was having problems, especially when I first started working for myself and I didn't have a boss and I didn't have people. I was having trouble getting myself out of bed. Mm -hmm. I was having trouble being on social media too much. I was having trouble getting myself to start my work day because there's no one there telling me to do it. Right. 
So I was having trouble with those things. So I needed to like implement solutions to those things, like a daily morning walk. And this is something funny. A client just shared this with me that when I, when I told her, I was like every single, like literally every single morning, I do not want to get out of bed. I do not want to go for a walk. I don't like, I, I don't. The bed is nice and warm. My husband is there. Our dog is there. I don't want to get out of bed. But I know if I stay in bed, I'm going to feel crappy. Mm -hmm. The day is going to feel crappy. I'm going to feel upset with myself at the end of the day. So I need to go. Like, I do need to go. Mm -hmm. And then I feel good. Like, I feel good right away. But anyways, the client, she was saying, like, she had never heard that, that people don't always want to go exercise. Um, Because I think in our head, like, when you think about someone, especially people who talk about like themselves as being morning, morning people, like I'm not naturally a morning person, but I do wake up early now and do stuff for myself before, mm-hmm. before I start my work day. Um, but I, I'm not jumping out of bed like, oh my gosh, this day's going to be great. I'm like, okay, I'm going for a walk. Let's ease into things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another thing too um, that's been really helpful for me is CBT, which is cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy. So cognitive your brain behavior, what you're doing. Um, and in this one book by, I think it's Seth Gillahan, he talked about how, especially if you're struggling with anxiety or depression or just like a low mood, the things that are going to make you feel better are things that, um, it takes time for you to feel better. And also in the moment, you're not going to want to do it. And it, it might take a couple of weeks, like a morning walk, it might take a couple of weeks for it to feel better. Um, and it's not, um, it's not a magic pill and it doesn't make you feel better right away, but it's like, you get to feel better, um, because you're getting exercise and you're going outside in nature. And also, um, you get to see that you're like taking ownership of your life and you're not just leaving it up to circumstances. You were talking about the, um, the 100 days, like I give my clients, um, it's a three, 365 habit tracker and has all 365 days of the year. And when they're starting a new habit, they color in a box. So they see a string of consistency. And right now, like I have clients that are doing a summer consistency, consistency camp with me. It's like they have like 30, 35 days of a string of like habits. And sure, there might be a day that they miss or whatever. But even getting to just see that data, it's like, wow, I really am taking action in my life. Like I really am doing these things for myself. So you get to feel good. But yeah you probably, you won't want to do it on the first couple of days and you might not want to do it like down the road, but it does help. Like I am in such a better place now than I was three years ago, like Mm -hmm. night and day. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the habit tracker and the visually seeing it in front of you, what you have accomplished. I think this is really cool. This kind of keeps you going and like the motivation. I mean, motivation goes away every now and then. And then all you have is discipline, right? And this is what you, this is what you use. I feel like, because you can't rely only on, oh, I'm so motivated every single morning, get out of my warm bed and do the stuff. Then it comes down to discipline because I know that this is good for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, You're not always going to feel excited and enthusiastic, but yeah, probably not always. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think there's a, like a pretty fine line between the people who, like, I think your people, like most of your audience and clients are not that like obsessive over exerciser type. And they seem to be more like people who need to develop these habits, right? Yeah, I would say yeah. there are people who in the past may have been excessive, uh, obsessive, 
okay. and kind of stopped and they have that all or nothing. Either I'm all in or I'm all out. Mm, okay. So that's really cool because I feel like in my audience, there tends to be more of those people who are like very much like all, right? I got to do all of it. And then um, for them, it can be really hard to be to take things easier, to be kinder to themselves and admit that, yeah, this is too much for my body right now. And it is okay to skip that um, one hour weightlifting today. Although like I encourage weightlifting a lot, but I also encourage listening to your body. So it's okay to skip that today and do a, like a leisurely bike ride or do like a walk. So how have you worked with people like who have this background? How do you teach them the, the new way of being? Yeah, I think it goes to like, like remembering that this is your one and only life on this planet. Like, that's it. This is your one and only life. If you're living your life this like, you're constantly just beating yourself up. And you're constantly like, Oh, I have to do this. Like, I have to do this or what? right? Like I have to go, even though my body feels awful, I have to go to this one hour weightlifting session. Otherwise I'm what answer that question. Like a piece of shit, like, sorry, <laughs> but like, like, right. And so I think that for people like that, they probably have that, like, they're not worthy unless yeah. they are pushing, pushing, pushing. And it's like, is that true? And again, asking that question, like, would you want this for an eight year old girl? Like if her body was hurting mm -hmm. and she is just completely exhausted, would you make her do this workout like you know um but yeah and going going back to the thing I said like this is your one and only life and just really mapping out like what do you want for yourself like is this what you want like this pattern over and over and just being a jerk to yourself is that what you want mm -hmm. and if it's so that's kind of um uh pain pleasure like you're sick and tired of being a jerk to yourself you're sick mm -hmm. and tired of over exercising what would be the opposite oh you know and it's it's like, oh, I would be a nice person to myself. I would be a person who listens to my body. I would be a person who like actually enjoys my time on this planet. Um, great. If that's what you want, then what actions do you need to take or actions do you need to stop taking yeah. to have that life? Mm -hmm. A lot of times it is about letting go of stuff before you can let something new in. I feel like, yeah, it's, it is so important to listen to your bodies. I think a lot of times people are like, they start comparing and they start picturing in their minds that they're going to blow up and gain 30 pounds overnight and everything goes downhill and it's going to be horrible. But it's, it's not, again, it's not about all or all about, or it's not about nothing. You know, it's the, the in between that middle ground that we're looking for and, and listening to your body and being okay with whatever happens. It's so important. Definitely enjoy enjoy life. Um, so you mentioned that three years ago you were a very different person. Things were really different. What what were what were you like? Yeah. So I when it when it, when it comes to all or nothing, I think that let me backtrack. When I was a teacher in a public school, I worked a million hours a week. I didn't have any hobbies. I didn't do anything outside of work. I just worked. And then when I left teaching. And I, especially when I started doing stuff for myself, it was like, I have all this time in my day. Like, I don't know what to do with all of this time. And I just found myself kind of sleeping a lot and not like a helpful sleeping, but like a, just kind of like a depressed, depressive whole sleeping. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just, it going back to that question, what do you want for your life? Like, is this what you want to be doing with your life is like wasting time and wasting away the days. Um, 
And so it made sense though, like looking back, it's like, I just didn't, I didn't really have any direction. I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and yeah, it took a lot of time to figure out like, this is the project I want to be working on. This is the thing that like gives me passion. And these are the things that I need to do to help myself get there. Um, and it really does have to start off with you taking care of yourself. Cause if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't like show up and be a good coach for other people or be a good teacher for other people. And I think that's a really hard thing for a lot of people who maybe don't have the same job as us, like, but they are a teacher or they work in a job, yeah, a business, a corporate, corporate world, like um, moms, moms, moms in general, yeah. <laughs> moms, <laughs> like you have to take care of yourself first. It's not selfish to take care of yourself actually, because if you don't take care of yourself, you are going to burn out and you won't even be able to take care of anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that that's a big thing. Moms and then moms pass on that same mentality to their children. And so it's like, if you want, if you don't want your eight-year-old daughter to have that same life, like you need to work on those things to yourself and pass that on to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because they copy and they, they yeah. learn from, from moms. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about eating too, because I know that your approach to eating is pretty similar to fitness, you know, stay consistent with mostly good habits, but don't do the extreme stuff. Right. Am I? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah. So the all or nothing mindset. So I would say, again, like when I was a teacher, I was so immersed in work. I didn't have any hobbies and I didn't know how to take care of myself and I wasn't doing anything for myself. I didn't know how I was supposed to eat. I knew nothing about nutrition, nothing. Um, I didn't know what protein was. Like I didn't know any of this stuff. And so I like, I used to get lean pockets. Like that's what I would like, you know, like hot pockets and they have lean pockets. Well, lean pockets are fewer calories and hot pockets. So that's what I would eat for lunch in a lean pocket. I think it's like 180 calories. Like I have no idea. I should Google it. But like I don't know either. I would have for lunch. And no wonder I was so freaking hungry. Like that's what I would have, right? And so then I would come home and just kind of like eat a bunch of shit. And so again, I knew nothing about self-care. I knew nothing about nutrition and the constant snacking and also feeling really stressed out from work and not knowing how to manage stress and cope with it. Um, the happiest part of my day was when I would leave work and I would stop at McDonald's and I would get like French fries and I would eat French fries on the way home. And I would always keep, um, I would keep cash in my car so that I like French fries wouldn't show up on my credit card statements. Like I would just pay with it (laughs) for cash, but like that was the happiest part of my day. Right. And so, and also like, it was just like a crazy part. So in a new job, stressful in a new relationship also in grad school and had like a shitty commute so it was just like all of these things happening at once and I didn't know how to take care of myself so anyways gained weight and I was like I need to lose this weight I need to lose this weight how can I lose this weight oh let me go online what does online say to do what does my fitness pal say to do you can do 1200 calories right oh god yeah right yeah so but again nothing about protein nothing about like make sure you're eating vegetables um, it seen something like, uh, get a bunch of 100 calorie snacks. Like, so I would get like a hundred calories of almonds and like a hundred calorie pack of crackers. And I would eat a bunch of snacks mm-hmm. all day long. And it's like, well, right. It's like crackers. 
and still being hungry and, you know, 1200 calories. Um, so I'm still hungry. And then you come home and you eat a bunch of crap and you're like, oh, see, this thing didn't work for me. So I really search for a lot of different things, but the, but what's unfortunate looking back is like, no one was teaching like, Hey, here's a really basic, balanced, moderate way to eat. Make sure you're eating vegetables. Make sure you're eating protein. Like that was never a thing out there. It's really like when you look up how to eat healthy, you're going to see a bunch of different diets, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, it, that preach really extreme things. So, um, obviously the, the <laughs> tracking calories didn't work. And then I tried doing 21 day fix where I like put food into little colorful containers. And that actually was helpful for me in that I saw, um, that I was eating a lot of crap. Like I was eating a lot of crackers and just crap. And then, but I didn't really lose weight with that. Um, and so then I turned to whole 30 because whole 30 <laughs> is super extreme and black and white thinking. And I felt like that is the thing that is going to whip me into shape. And that is going to, you know, I need to be super strict because I've been way too permissive and me being permissive has turned into neglect. So I need to like be very, very strict. And I loved Whole30 because it's black and white thinking. And it really, it did. Like it got me into shape. Same thing as like 100 day running streak. No, there's no, there's no, oh, I'm not going to do it today. Whole30, (laughs) let's do it. And there are good things that I learned from Whole30. Like make sure you have vegetables on your plate. Make sure you have protein on your plate. This is what a serving of protein looks like, right? Mm -hmm. So those things were really good. But if you messed up on Whole30, you had salad dressing that had sugar in it. God forbid. Mm. It's like, oh, well, I just ruined the whole 30. So I might as well just eat a bunch of crap because when I do this again, I'm going to have to start over and I'm not going to be allowed to eat any of that stuff. And you messed up and you're a terrible person. So I would like go through that. And I call it, I call it the diet triangle where it's like, you're super strict with food and then you ease up a little bit and then you're like a little bit permissive and then you're super neglectful and it's like falls apart. And you're mm-hmm. like, I got to clean this crap up and you go back up to being super restrictive again. Mm-hmm. And I do that over and over and over again. And then I, um, the last time I did it was in February of 2016. And in March, mid-March, I remember we, after I finished all 30, we ordered a pizza and I ate like half of an extra large pizza. And then I was like, let's go to the grocery store. I went to the grocery store and I got like chocolate cake and cookies and kettle oh. corn and all of this stuff. And we're eating it. And I remember this chocolate cake, cake specifically, and it like wasn't even good, but I felt this pressure that I needed to eat all of it because we just spent money on it. And I was, you know, I, in my head, I was like, I'm going to have to go back to Whole30 after this. So I might as well just oh, keep God. eating this, even though it doesn't taste good. And so that was like over the weekend. And then I think on that Monday, I was like, this is a mess, Jacqueline. Like going back to, is this your life? I'm going to start crying. (laughs) Like, is this your life? Like, this is what you're doing where you're just like not taking care of yourself. And then when you're quote, taking care of yourself, you're just like an effing jerk to yourself, like with food. And so that pizza binge, like it actually was really helpful for me because I was like, you need to figure something else out because this is going to keep happening unless you figure out something different. And so then I came up with what if you learned how to have some pizza without eating all of the pizza. And so I started practicing different things. I called it pizza Friday where I wasn't allowed to eat pizza all week, but on Friday I was allowed to have a single serving pizza 
and I would have like a giant salad and I would do that every Friday. Mm-hmm. And then I started practicing. Oh, another thing like the chocolate cake desserts. I started practicing having a single serving dessert every night. So I was like really deliberate about this. Um, and just kept practicing. Like, like I, I didn't want to like let loose of all of my food rules. I needed like a really, uh, I don't know, just like a really, what's the word I'm looking for? But like, like I needed a box of what I was doing, but I also was like allowing foods in that I wasn't allowed to eat before, but I just kept practicing that. And then I was like, okay, cool. This is just how I eat. Like, this is how I eat now. Um, and like, I stopped binging. I stopped being afraid of food. Um, I don't even eat pizza all that often now. Like, and I have dessert sometimes, sometimes not, but it's like all food is allowed, but I'm not like afraid of anything anymore. And I'm not, I've I've never gone back to like weeks and weeks of being super neglectful with food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The cravings are probably down too, now that you can have these things and now yeah. you know I don't crave stuff like I don't dream about food anymore oh oh my gosh and you know what's so funny it's not funny but it's like in whole 30 like way back when they they might have it too still but there's like a like a calendar of like this might happen on day one this might happen on day two and on one of the days they talked about food dreams you might be dreaming of food that you're not allowed to have and they said it was going to happen and so it, it like normalized this behavior. Mm-hmm. It normalized it. But like looking back, it's like, oh my gosh, like dreaming about food that you're not allowed to have is really messed up mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be normalized. Like this shouldn't be a thing. Like it just means that you're so obsessive over food that it's consuming your dreams, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see any value in Whole30? I, I know you mentioned that, okay, eat vegetables, eat protein, but um, anything else? Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that is a huge thing, right? Like seeing, (laughs) eating vegetables and eating protein, like without Whole30, I would never, uh, I don't know if I will say would never, but Mm -hmm. I got there. I think also too, like, um, seeing how much sugar is in all of the food we eat, that was really helpful. But the amount of time I used to spend in the grocery store looking at labels is absurd. And now it's like, I actually don't eat, I don't meal plan anymore. I eat pretty much the same thing all the time. Not because I'm on a diet, but just because it's, it's easy. It's easy. It's simplistic. Like I actually, this, I do the same thing with clothes now. I only wear a black shirt and some sort of bottoms because it's easy and I don't have mm-hmm. to think about it anymore. No decision fatigue, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So yeah, there's eating vegetables, eating protein, not eating as much sugar, you know, Um, but like, it's one of those things. And I've talked about this on my podcast too. Like it sucks, but I don't regret it because I feel like I did learn things from it, but like, I also wouldn't wish it on anyone. Like I wouldn't, would I want this for an eight year olds? No, I would rather teach the eight year olds. Like here's how to eat. Like had someone taught me nutrition principles when I was little, I wouldn't have ever had to go on a diet. You know, mm-hmm. like if someone had just taught me, like every time we make a dinner, every time we make lunch, we eat a lot of vegetables and we eat mm-hmm. some protein and we eat, yeah. you know, some other fun stuff. But this is the bulk of our meals. Mm-hmm. 
I think most, I, I don't, I don't know if whole 30 should be called a diet. I don't think it's a diet. I don't think it's meant to be that way, but whatever diet or nutritional approach you, you do, I think there's always like, either you get what you wanted or you get the lesson that you needed. So there's always like a lesson in there too, right? Like for you, the things that you just mentioned and the lesson can also be like, don't do this anymore. Right? <laughs> if, you, if you get on a, like a cabbage soup diet and, and you're like, okay, hell no, I'm never going to do like one thing. But then the other one, I think a couple of years ago, you mentioned this OMAD diet. Did you mention that to me? No, it was somebody else that it was like one meal a day. One meal a day. Yeah. Oh, I've had people have done that. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so that, that too, I think most of us probably learned that uh, not a good idea in the long run. So a lot of the things that we actually learn from, from those diets too, and just like learn to understand that actually the key is more like allowing yourself to have the things that you want, even if they're like, quote unquote, not, not the healthiest, not the cleanest. It's okay to have them once in a while. I yeah, think it kind of like saves you. It's like you don't have like full dreams, or you don't feel like you can't go out to a party, and you only have to, you know, bring your own Tupperware everywhere. Like I would, I would never do that. Even though I'm a macro coach, I, I never tell anybody to do that, and I don't do it myself either. Yeah, I mean, food should be this thing that supports your healthy life, but like it shouldn't be your whole life. Like mm-hmm. it really shouldn't, because if it is. Like you can't, like you said, like bring Tupperware somewhere. Like you can't, you can't travel. You can never travel internationally. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be able to know exactly what's in the food that you're eating when you travel, when you go to a restaurant, like you have no idea, mm-hmm. but like learning like, oh, when I eat a lot of sugar, I feel gross. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to eat mostly vegetables and protein. Like mm-hmm. we went to Thailand for our wedding or for our anniversary and it was funny being there because I was just like, I like I couldn't eat any rice. I couldn't eat any of these noodles if I was doing Whole30. Like I would not or like I don't if I was very obsessive over macros or very obsessive over calories, I like I wouldn't I have no idea what's in here. Like no clue, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but like knowing a gist of like make sure you're eating some like fruits and vegetables while you're traveling, like having those like basic principles. Um, yeah. Yeah, couple, like the priorities and then the the rest is just be okay with it. Yep. So uh, you have your own like nutritional kind of guideline system too. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. It um It's very similar to like what you teach your clients with macros where, but it's just, I, I don't measure anything. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think sometimes when it comes to details, I'm not a details person, mm-hmm. right? So that part of like tracking like, I'll just say F it. I'm not doing it at all. Sure. So this is like, it's like just overall. Um, so I call it imperfect eating in the five P's. So the five P's are plants, protein, a little bit of processed fun food, plenty of water, and plate it. So all of these grew out, like you said, like there are things that I've learned from all of the, the diets that I've done or all of the ways of eating. You need to have plants. Like you, like you need to eat vegetables. You just do if vegetables aren't available, can you eat some fruit or, um, yeah, so plants and then protein, whether that's animal-based or if it's plant-based. Um, so eggs, meat, um, beans, edamame, quinoa, 
it's not exact, right? So mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people are like, ah, I'm not going to know. Like, I'm not going to hit these. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's fine. You'll survive. <laughs> um, so plants, protein, a little bit of processed fun food. So that might be something like cheese or salad dressing or crouton. So actually the, the salad that I have today for lunch has, it has like cabbage, kale, romaine. So I have plants. And then um, protein, there is some chicken and there are some uh, chickpeas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some feta cheese and there's um, some salad dressing. And then plenty of water. I always have water with me and plate it. That came in because um, I have a lot of people who eat in front of the fridge or they eat in front of the cabinet or they pick food off of their toddler's plate. And it's like, but actually you do deserve time to sit down and like be a human and take a 10 minute break from work. Like, I know you think that you need to be rushing around or you're not deserving of making a plate, but you're, you're making a plate for your toddler. You can also make a plate for yourself. So like put your food on a plate and just get into the behavior, get into the action of eating meals and taking time for yourself. So yeah, the five piece. Mm, that's so cool. I feel like, you know, because I'm teaching macros and I feel like the, everybody at one point is ready to stop tracking. I don't think everybody should, should be tracking all the time at all. This is not the goal. The goal is, is to teach and to learn. But I think what you were teaching, such a good like transition that would be perfect after that, after you have this solid foundation, like what, what protein looks like, what a serving of protein looks like, what a serving of fat looks like. And then, you know, that is okay to have a little bit of salad dressing. You don't have to only use your lemon juice on your salad. No, you don't. That's gross. So, and it, that would be actually such a cool way to kind of transition from, from being, you know, pretty, you know, having more like strict, stricter guidelines because macros are that mm-hmm. way. And then to transition something that's a little bit more intuitive, but there's more wiggle room. And based on your previous, what you have learned, you can make those decisions and you're not going to fall off the track mm-hmm. like terribly and you have to start over. You don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that, um, I love what you said that the goal is not to be 80 years old and tracking macros the goal Mm -hmm. is to know how to eat like just know how to eat and maintain your weight and be a healthy person and I think that whatever tools that you need to get to being that person is what you need to get there right Mm -hmm. and when it comes to intuitive eating so I've had for a lot of people they're really afraid of intuitive eating because what they see portrayed on Instagram and social media and Facebook groups is eat cake for breakfast Mm-hmm. Eat cake for breakfast. It's okay. Just have oh yeah. Fight, fight the patriarchy. Eat cake for breakfast, yeah. right? And it's like really like now that's that's even more black and white thinking. Like yes. you went from eating twelve hundred calories of cabbage soup to now you're eating cake for every meal. Would you want that for an eight year old child? Like please, mm-hmm. right? So it's like whatever tools that you need to get to this balanced place of eating, because I guarantee that eating cake for breakfast is not going to help you feel good. It's not. You're going to feel tired. You're going to feel crappy. And you're going to feel like shame that you did something wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. so I think that using tools to get to this place of like balance and also being okay that it's a, that's the word I was looking for, structured approach. Mm -hmm. Being okay that it is a structured approach to getting to where you need to be. And then also maybe you don't need those tools for tracking anymore. When I talk about the 365 habit tracker, I actually, I have a video on there too. When to know that you don't have to track this habit anymore because you shouldn't be 80 80 years old having to track that you're doing a daily walk. It should just become a part of who you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I love this, this conversation because the cake example, it was so good. 
Yeah, and <laughs> all even, day long. Yeah, we're not talking about having like occasional piece of cake in the morning. If you, you know, I don't know if if it's my birthday and the next morning cake is still there, you bet I'm gonna have a little bit mm -hmm. for sure. But we're not talking about like now, like all oh, the doors are open and you get to have this cake like all the time whenever you want. It's almost like if you don't now, there's something wrong with you because that's that's what I saw a lot when I kind of started to move away from this. I was also for a while in this like little bit of like body positivity that type of but it started to feel really wrong for that reason because people are encouraging like oh if you choose salad instead of pizza you're obsessed you gotta have pizza i'm like whoa can we just like take a step back here um now too like if you don't have that cake for breakfast something wrong with you you're obsessed right. your body obsessed you're you don't love yourself no it's not about <laughs> that at all so it's yeah it, it really gets me a little like heated yeah. here if i if i hear that because uh Again, this is far from balance. Just like you said, it's the other end of the extreme. It's a different ex extreme. So why mm -hmm. do we have to do the extremes? Can we do the middle ground? Right. Have cake sometimes? Yeah, have cake sometime. And then the pizza and salad example, like instead of either or, like you can only have the salad and you can only have the pizza, can you have a salad with two slices of pizza? Like that literally is a balanced meal. Like if you want to be a balanced eater... If like, that's something I talk about too. This is the person you want to be. You want to be a balanced eater, then your meal should be balanced. And a balanced meal does not mean having 12 million slices of pizza and then the next day only eating lettuce with lemon juice. Like have right. it, have, yeah. Mm -hmm. Balanced eater, like throughout the day. That doesn't mean you're eating cake for every meal. You're going to feel terrible. And you know what? And I, in working with people, the people that have done that, they gain weight, they feel crappy oh, I guess I should go back to eating 1,200 calories. Mm -hmm. Like they'll go back to something even more extreme or the right. one meal a day or the whatever. Uh, let me go do the carnivore diet because I can't, I obviously cannot trust myself with carbs because mm -hmm. I tried the intuitive eating thing and it let me, you know, fell off the deep end. So no mm -hmm. carbs at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It perpetuates it. Yeah, totally. And I think the intuitive eating, like the idea is really good. And eventually we all want to be there, but it, it it's almost like you have to learn your way there because like in this world where we have so much processed foods and all these food rules and, and all kinds of stuff like around us, it's very hard to just know. I think it would be so much easier to do if we were like cavemen and cave women and all we had was like some plants and some animals that we hunt down and this is our appetite will also probably be regulating normally. But now we have like so much you know, mm -hmm. food that shouldn't always necessarily be even called food. Uh, it's very hard to be intuitive in this situation. So you have to learn that, have to have some guidelines in place, I feel like. I don't think that eating is intuitive. I agree with you. If if only, if our only options were non-processed foods, then sure, it would be mm -hmm. very easy to... But no, this is a very, like, it's intentional. This is intentional eating. And there's something else I'm going to say. Oh, the intuitive eating book. I have read that book and nowhere in that book does it say eat cake for breakfast for, or eat cake for every meal. Like it literally does not. And there's also a page on there that has um, like a, like a template of what a, what a good plate of food would look like. And it's very much exactly what we're talking about. Like mm -hmm. have, have vegetables, have some protein. Like that's what the template of the plate is marked off to be. Mm -hmm. So the way that this met, like this has been put onto social media. I'm like, this is not what their intention was when mm -hmm. they wrote this book whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But also I get it. I get if you've been in a place where you've been hyper restrictive with food that you just want to be really permissive. Like I understand mm -hmm. that like, right? Like things, things swing that way. I mm -hmm. get it. But like, I'm not, 
no, no, thank you. Yeah. But like for a period of time, it just happens naturally. If you've been super, super restrictive, then there's going to be time when you're like, okay, you know, screw all this. I'm going to do whatever I want. It's a period of time. And I think for many people it is necessary, but we should not stay with, you know, stay with it and like keep doing it and feel like now it's all justified because, you know, certain people or certain accounts, whatever, are doing it, like going like crazy, going to town with all that crap food and sweets and all that. It's not, it's not what intuitive eating should actually look like in my opinion. It's, it's far from balance. It's far from balance. I agree. Yeah. Additionally, like even just when, so I know that in working with clients, I really felt like we we're going to talk about food. We we're going to talk about food, but a lot of times like, but you're turning to food because you're stressed out about life and you don't know how else to relieve that stress. And in the past, when you were growing up, you always turned to food. So that's like your only stress, right? So sometimes it has nothing to do with food, but it's like, you're a stress eater. We need to come up with other ways for you to cope with stress. We need to come up with other ways for you to deal with this uncomfortable feeling, this physical sensation in your body. And additionally, like, doesn't mean that you're a terrible person if you emotionally eat. It's just we need a list of other things to do besides just that. Yeah, I agree. Well, this has been so good. Um, is there anything else that you would like to touch on? Maybe things that come up with your clients or something else you want to add that I didn't ask you about? Yeah, I know. I think I would just like to reiterate, like, this is your one life on this planet. Like, that's it. And really thinking about, like, what is it that you want for yourself? Not what size do you want to be? Like, what weight do you want to be? But like, what, you know, what do you want for yourself? And then what is your daily day look like, right? Like, what are the actions that you're taking that day by day, you're living that life? And what are the thoughts that are going through your head, right? I think that a lot of us think um, that our happiness is really dependent on being like a size two. There's plenty of people who are happy that aren't a size two. I'm not a size two. Um, there's plenty of people who are, who are happy and they're taking care of themselves. Um, and, you know, like healthy habits support that life that you want, but it really shouldn't be like food and exercise shouldn't just be like the bane of your existence. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Cool. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, the best place, um, well, I use, I'm on social media at Jacqueline Riccio Stover, but the best place is go to systemsforselfcare.com. I also have a little free mini course on there called Moderation Made Easy. So you can go to systemsforselfcare.com slash moderation made easy, giving you some quick videos showing you how to do imperfect eating and just kind of like implement that into your life. Cool. Yeah. Make sure all this uh, is on my website and in the show notes too, so people can find you. So thank you so much. Um, and I'll see you soon. Great. Thank you.